Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, I am recording now. Are you fidgety still? Yeah. Am I fidgeting still? Yeah. I'm always fidgeting. Okay. Fidgeting never stops. Yeah, well, this is just like butter. Ruben's Burger Bistro in Boulder, Colorado. We're here with Michael Robson of Butter. Again, your website. We are Butter. Weary Butter. Thank you very much. <laughs> we are Butter. And Ben Day, who's becoming a regular fixture now on our show. Where's my burger? He <laughs> just he just never leaves Rubens. You just come here and he's always here. Where's this good beer? He has a bed in the back. So, so do we have to lean in with this mic no, or no, not? No, no, you need to stay back. It's oh, really? Oh, okay. yeah. no, no lipstick as on the as, mic. As long as you've got to eject. No, no, no lipstick on the mic, please. Mm. That's not supposed to go in your mouth, man. Back off. That's disgusting. Back off. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just going to let it go at that. So we're going to pick up a topic that we had a while back. Carbon rims, crashes in the propeloton, braking surface. We wanted a professional racer here with us to have his input on it or her input. So was That, that was the week when we started off on a topic and then... then just totally digressed into something completely different and never actually got back. I think we which ended is up every on week. Masters Doping or yeah. something. In fact, <laughs> yeah. speaking of that... No. So we have to stay on topic, on topic all the time. <laughs> good, let's do it. So we have noticed a huge increase in, it seems like, a big increase in crashes this year in the Pro Peloton. And we were wondering if that might be due to changing positions and possibly carbon wheels. What do you think, Ben? The, whole, the question here is the braking question. So, yeah. You know, you, you obviously came from riding uh, um, rim brakes on carbon wheels. We know you never used your brakes. Yeah. Yeah. Never touched them. I don't know what you're talking about. I've been sitting at home on the couch all year. Like, <laughs> what's the next question? No, do, you no. Remember la- do you remember last year? Uh, what, the bike riding no. thing? What was that? <laughs> what are we doing here again? Short memory. <laughs> no, I believe that the issue is that the world is getting busier. There's more cars, there's more traffic islands, there's more road furniture. And then on the training side of things, with like technology and knowledge and the internet, you know, everybody's getting faster and stronger and the level of competition is a lot greater than what it was. And that's why I believe that there are so many crashes. It's like there's so many people on a similar level now that if you're coming into the corner and you even think about, oh shit, there's 12 other people trying to get that line than me, you've already lost it. You're not going to be there. You've right? lost ten spots. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You, if, if if that's a thought process that actually triggers in your mind, then it's already over. You know. So, so in your experience back back when you were racing, did um, 
did you have any trouble with, with you know, obviously rim brakes on carbon wheels or you didn't notice it too much? So back to your, your question, yeah. So We have to stay on topic, remember? <laughs> we have to stay on topic. Yeah, branching out, branching out. No, yes, definitely had issues. Um, not naming any names, I've raced on some, some excellent equipment before. Um, I've been pretty blessed with that. But when it's wet and when it's cold and wet, yeah. that's when you really find out what actually still works and what doesn't. Well, with carbon, you reef on the brakes and your bike actually goes faster for a second and then it starts to slow down. Yeah. And yeah. That's, it's usually too late at that I point. remember Tour of Switzerland's coming down descents there before where I like grab the brakes and exactly what you say, I'm running up the arse of the person in front of me. <laughs> and like it's a 30 kilometer descent at like 70, 80, 90 kilometers an hour. Yeah. Like, and that was that in the dry or in the wet? That was actually in the dry at that point, I think. So yeah. So, first, braking technology has gotten a lot better with the compounds. That did improve for a while, because I'm talking probably eight years ago or something at this so point. Was eight solid or nine cork. Ago. The pad technology has gone a long yeah. way. It's gone a long yeah. way. It's gone a long way. But then, you know, even you know, the rim technology, I still... It's not bad, but just when you combine... Like, if it's wet, it's one thing. But if it's wet and cold, those two things together, I feel like the, the pads like get so hard and that the carbon just doesn't have the surface it needs in order to, to stop properly. Hello, I've, cyclocross. You know how long we've been doing that? Wet, wet, and, cold, wet and cold with carbon rims and, and rim brakes yeah. and Swiss-top yellow pads yes. and nothing happens. The Swiss-top yellow pads are some of the best on the market and they too. they still though, don't so do shit. So that's an issue. <laughs> No, so I remember um, we've had two swear words now in this show, and I love it. And it was well, oh, it was him and me. One he said shit, and I said shit. Well, reminds me of a South Park. I can ramp it up anytime you want. <laughs> Welcome to Program Australiana with Robson and Bino. <laughs> so now I remember a tour of California coming down the descents there, and by the end of the stage, my forearms were cramping because out. I uh, this. This really doesn't work when we don't have a video here. I'm going to do something with my hands. I'll describe it. <laughs> grabbing the brakes. He's grabbing the brakes. And his arms are in a. Looks like he's. Kind of looks a like a gorilla. Tree. Yeah, tree hugging gorilla. And then pull him back like this to get even more force. The El elbows in. I'll oh, wrap it in the elbows. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember yeah, that one. Just on just like, like levering yeah. those brakes. I remember the mountain bike thing with, in the V brake days when you'd get pumped out and you'd start pushing your arms down to yeah. try and just get to a get a little more. bit more oh, it was horrible so I was cramping by the end of those stages and like I remember hitting those descents and like getting into a corner and I'm not really necessarily the guy who'd be trying to bomb you on the inside of a corner but at that point I didn't have a choice because I wasn't stopping you. yeah I wasn't stopping it was terrifying so you think I, that's what happened to Buggy in the in the tour or is he is he just an idiot Remember um, um, Buggy, right? Bade or Buggy? No, it's Buggy. When Ta taken out, taken out uh, Garrett Thomas. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. No. Crappy bike rider. No, actually, he um, he tried to take the inside line. Yeah. TJ bumped him out of the way. Yeah. And then at that point, it was like way too hot coming to that corner. I, just, I don't get why they're the fighting line. so hard for every single corner in a group of like 10 guys. Anyway, it's too off, topic, off topic, it's too hey, off topic. Hey, no, that was me. That was focus. me. That was me. Focus. Yeah. The beauty is, Squirrel. The, the video would have been more important than showing your arms. You actually looked depressed while you were describing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the face. Oh it's, no, it's, I'm not going to see It's terrifying. I mean, it's it's like, be. Those days are like you're burning so much energy just to survive the stage, let alone like 
stressing out about, about you know, breaking and yeah. yeah. And, and you know, obviously, back in the days of of, of um, aluminium, aluminium rims. When was that? That was a long time ago. Okay. I, I actually still have some. They're really interesting. Um, breaking was considerably better and way more predictable than carbon, but obviously not at the, at the level of disc brakes. You know, th- this is something. In the in the last few weeks, I've been testing a bunch of different wheel sets, and one of the wheel sets I have. Is um, is you know not naming names once again is a carbon fiber rim brake wheel set for cross um, that I've been screwing around with on one of my bikes and ha- having been on disc brake bikes for the last couple of years and you know mostly disc brakes most of the time this bike was it was it's a pretty scary revelation to go back to carbon rims with rim brakes right. and, and just really you got, that big a difference oh yeah you go sailing into a corner and reef on the brakes and you're like. Anytime now, I'm just waiting patiently for something to happen, and you, you're not sure it's you're not sure it's going to work out. I mean, that's just training. That's just riding in the mountains of Colorado, not racing in the freaking Tour of Switzerland for crying out loud. I mean, it's 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 a big difference. So you know, like, I, I'm very used to disc brakes now on all of my cross bikes, and um, and that was that it was kind of a shock. You're listening to Just Like Butter, Rubens Burger Bistro, Boulder, Colorado. Check us out on social media, Over the Top Cycling on Facebook, Over the Top Cycling on Instagram, Over the Top Bike on Twitter. We're a little too long for Twitter's rules. Uh, you can also check out our website, overthetopradio.net, or download us off of iTunes or on the Acast app. Just Like Butter, visiting with Michael Robson, our co-host, and Benjamin Day talking about disc brakes on road bikes and cyclocross bikes. 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 <laughs> so my technical question is, so I'm going to jump forward a little bit here and, and answer the question you're going to ask me. So, well, hopefully you're going to ask me. Well, we've other you know, been doing this long enough where I know you can anticipate. It's yeah. like a weird marriage. I can yeah. feel but it. That's legal now. Yeah, that creeped it. me out. I can feel it. So the thing, wet and cold is a big issue here. And I feel like this is where disc brakes are going to make a big difference. The thing that I worry about is that one, I don't know, and they're about to do, uh, if not, they're not already doing it in, in Europe. They're about to bring in some trials where they're building a few teams use disc brakes. Yeah, some teams the, have um, denied the, the possibility of doing that. I worry about the fact that the person in front of you can stop faster than you can. That happened That's in Cross. A, that happened the first couple of years of disc brakes in Cross. You actually That's, did anticipate the next question. That's yeah, not a good that issue. Was, yeah. That's not a good issue. So, jumping on to the next question then. Modulation, you know, so like at the moment when it's dry, uh, actually in, in most temperatures, there's the, the major brake manufacturers, they're strong enough to put yourself over the handlebars. I don't ask for anything more than that. Yeah, if I, I can go over the handlebars, I'm pretty safe. Yep, <laughs> Whoop, I've stopped. Um, and so with having disc brakes there across the board. And even in, like, not so much the, much the cold and wet conditions, because that's where I do believe they can make a big difference. But when it's hot and dry, or just dry in general, are they so powerful that you don't have a chance to modulate your braking force? Like, how does it no, work? No, no, you get used to it pretty quickly. You get used to, like, this, this really kind of gentle tactile feel. Instead of just, you know, like, grabbing on the bars and, and trying to rip the bars off the bike, like, you know, with everything you've got to get any little bit of braking, you get this, you get this very, um, you get this very delicate feel in your braking. So it's, it's not, I mean, it's not quite as dramatic. Are you, you saying you're delicate? 
Yes, I'm very delicate. Do, do we describe what you were doing with your hands as you were talking? Yeah. Like this? Yeah, delicate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Good thing we're not doing video this yeah. week. Um, so, I, I, you know, and coming from, you know, obviously a cross background where where braking modulation is just so important. Like you're, you're railing through a corner and you've got just this much traction and if you grab just the tiniest bit too much brake, you're going to compromise that and your, and your tires are going to let go. Um, you know, I, I think you get used to that really quickly. Like, mountain, you know, same thing with mountain bikes. You used to just pump out your arms with V-brakes and then you, you got disc brakes and, and the game changed entirely. But, you know, my question for you is actually, you know, there's a, there's, there's a whole bunch of different ramifications with having disc brakes on the road. I don't think there's any argument that the performance is going to be way better and way more consistent. I think the big questions are weight. Um, it's going to be, you know, what, what does what does a team service course look like once you have, you know, like a whole fleet of rim brake bikes and then a whole fleet of disc brake bikes or all disc brake bikes. Um, neutral service and servicing bikes would change pretty dramatically because when you put a disc brake wheel in a bike, the rotor has to be, you know, you've got, I think, probably about a 2.5 millimeter tolerance to get that rotor in exactly the right place. So if you if you pull a wheel into a bike and the rotor's rubbing, you, you're, you know, that's that's drag. Yeah. And I, the, those are the issues I see. You can't do a fast wheel change, um, you know, while the tra- while this transition's happening, if this transition happens at all, you have um, way bigger fleets of bikes. You have you have slower wheel changes, and then once you actually get a wheel change, it might not work that well anyway. So, um, I mean, how do you feel about that kind of stuff, or, or how do you not feel about it? Um, no, I haven't thought about it because, like I said, I sit at home on the couch. But <laughs> that's a, it's a great observation about neutral support and you know, like spacing of the rotor and stuff like. Yeah. How individual is that um, to the fork mount and oh, yeah. different no, brains and stuff like that? Every time I set up a new bike, you put the wheels in yeah. and you have to center the rotors on the wheels and get you know get everything aligned and straight. And you have like one millimeter spaces and stuff. To you get have it one. Right, right? I, I would guess you have just over a millimeter on either side. Right. So if you put a, you put a rotor on a on a disc brake wheel and it's not exactly where you want to be, you've got to go around with a little rotor tool and straighten everything out. And what I do when I set up my race bikes is I will set up the um, I'll set up the race bike with one set of wheels and I'll go through with all the other sets of wheels and and bring bring the rotors on those wheels to that bike so hopefully hopefully all of the rotor positions are the same and I've done the thing where you put in a set of wheels that where you set up the rotor last time and and put it in the bike and it's not right and you know with rim brakes it's ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. 
you've got so much more clearance. So are we going to create a UCI standard about how much spacing, you know, how far off the centre of the hub the, the rotor needs to be set up? It's not going to work, is Well, it? I mean, the only solution for that is to actually have, have more pad travel right. in, the, um, in the calipers. Right. But then as, as soon as you have um, more travel, you lose power. So, you know, it's, it's just a trade-off. Like I, I, I don't think power is a big issue. You can only move so much fluid. I don't think power is a big issue because I, I, I feel like it's, it's overkill at the moment. When it's wet and cold and you've got rotors, I still feel like you've got enough. I, I think, I think you're right. Like mo most brakes, most disc brakes are incredibly powerful. So shooting on to the next show, tyre traction. But still on this show, <laughs> tire traction. I wanted, I wanted to bring oh. it Oh, no, that is, no, that's two weeks from now. No, I'm two shows from there. Two shows from there. Is tyre. But the, the brakes are going to be more powerful than what the tyre traction is going to be. Well, and that happened in cross. Yeah. All of a sudden, you have more brakes than your tyres can handle, and you're like, okay, well, big whoop. I have these fantastic brakes. I think it's important no, you bring in that. Erica, who has been riding and racing on disc brakes. Well, she actually knows what she's talking about, so exactly. I'm going to back yeah, up for a second. Probably a bad thing, but I'm going to back out here and... Hit it. I, I don't know. You you know a lot about Chris. <laughs> stop giving seems... him credit. Yeah. <laughs> Rip into him. Come just on. Stop it. <laughs> it just seems that like the transition is like it seems like a lot of people in Europe right now are for cross are still using rim brakes compared yeah. to like in the U.S. There's a lot of people. The trend seems to be becoming really popular for disc brakes. Well, but you know why they're using rim brakes in Belgium. Well, everyone has their different ideas. Everyone's it's weight. Like, they're, they're just belly aching about weight. I, um, Does the UCI law not carry across the cross about the weight of the bike? Oh, yeah, there's a minimum weight requirement. Don't but let him bully you, Erica. <laughs> so bike technology is already at the point where they're well below the weights. Oh, yeah. Like the it, weight limit anyway. It, so. um, I think cross bikes are a little bit heavier. Than, than road bikes. There's a there's a weight limit in the UCI for cross right? It's I think the same. So. It's like the I love I 14, love asking questions that you can't answer. Fourteen point something or whatever. Every, quick, somebody get one point two one gigawatts. <laughs> Are we live? <laughs> Can we stop for a minute? I need to Google it. No, I'm sure there's a weight requirement, but I but um I think it's probably on a cross bike it's harder to hit than it than it would be on a road bike. Right. Um, Take advantage I mean, of your experience here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so what were you gonna say? Well, I think I don't just like traditionally. Like I, I don't really like to change things that I think that work well. So I like grew up with a mountain bike with disc brakes. Yeah. And then I started with a cross bike with rim brakes. She and grew then... up with a mountain bike with disc brakes. Do you hear that? Yeah. Pumpkin. Generation Z. And then I transitioned to a cross bike. A cross bike with my first mountain bike had coaster brakes. <laughs> with disc brakes. And I was like, oh, this is way better. But I didn't want to make the transition from rim brakes to disc brakes. Because I was just like, I don't need this. So maybe that's how road people feel. I don't right. Know. That's all happening. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's weird because, you know, some, some, some technologies get adopted really, really quickly. And then, and then some sort of, you know, wallow. I mean, take tubeless technology, for instance. I mean, tubeless has been around for, you know, 15 or more years. I've been screwing around with it for a decade. And it just doesn't really seem to be getting any traction and there's no there's no real reason for it not Stay to. Stay on brakes. Tires is coming so, up. Oh sorry, no, tires two weeks from now, sorry. Um, brakes, we're uh, back on the brakes. Tubeless um, cross tires are the worst. 
I'm doing a story on that right now and I have to say nice things. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. UCI's technical regs for bikes, blah, 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 blah. He's reading I right now. I wonder if mountain bikes are covered by the same... Yeah, so they're covered by the same 6.8 kilometres kilometer, per hour. 1.21 gigawatts. I am so screwed up just trying to deal with Imperial system this week that... So I believe it is under the same same deal as uh, the road yeah. bikes. But it doesn't look like there's a lot of bikes that are... Erica, that. thanks very much. Well, but, you know, so, so Sven was messing around with disc brakes last year and, and he... Um, it's funny because one of one of the euro euro complaints is that once the you know once you get a bit of mud and junk in a cross race in your disc brakes they start to make kind of funky noises, which is true, but that was that was one of the major European complaints about noisy. disc brakes. They're noisy. It's like, well, it's cross. You need to get over that. I I'd, I'd, I'd actually think that the the advantage of having disc brakes in cross would far outweigh any sort of weight issues or anything like that. Oh, I, I thoroughly I, agree. I thoroughly agree. I run a bunch of like, um, like, ex- like plans on time trialing on the road anyway and correlating equipment with that and weight into that equation. Extra weight from the bike itself doesn't actually make that much difference. Yeah. You know, it can uh, make okay. minimal difference. And well, what about aerodynamics? About you know, once you have like a, you know, some shit sticking out the side, oh, there's that word again, sticking out the side of your hub with, you know, with the rotor and the caliper and all that, you know, extra junk. And especially with time trial bikes now, they're starting to tuck that stuff up into the frames and, you know, boardman's burying their brakes in the fork where you can't even see it and can't even work on it and can't even service it. Um, It seems like there's actually enough things kind of wrong with it like if I if I looked at disc brakes for road, there's no way I would go for it. Between between additional weight, the the nightmare of of how you run your service course and um, neutral service, I, I would I, there's no way. I, yeah, I think it's a nightmare. And then you know what? Then uh, you know we haven't even discussed this yet. You get into through axle standards where you don't you. So what's the through axle standard going to be? Some people are saying it's going to be road bikes are going to be 10 millimeter through axle, and the current mountain bikes are 12 millimeter. Let's start the bottom bracket mess all over again. Yeah, I mean it's just it's just opening up a whole new can of worms. So it's you know for the road right now, I think it's it seems like it would be quite a ways off. I have I have um, two of my bikes right now are quick release disc brake bikes. They're not through axle yet. The the my two new race bikes that are coming this year are going to be through axle, um, but. I think probably one of the best solutions for the road would be quick release through axle. But then there's that whole debate about, oh, you know, you, you lose the stiffness in the frame and all this stuff, which I think is actually pretty arbitrary. One thing I do know about disc brakes is, um, you know, with, with me coaching juniors, like I coach the Boulder Junior Cycling um, juniors, disc brakes, whether they're um, the mechanical disc brakes, cable actuated or hydraulic, are really, really good for little kids because there's there's way more power and it requires way less hand strength and you can adjust the levers in and out and put them in just the right right place for those kids and the kids have way more confidence because I mean with um, with cantilever rim brakes kids have zero confidence going into corners they got they go sailing into a corner and they're doing that thing where they just pull on the brakes and, and they're reefing for everything they got and nothing happens so what the chill what what kids learn is just to not go so fast so that they don't have to worry about breaking into a corner uh, so that is where I really see something, you know, like I really see the benefit. Sounds good for ultra too, because when your hands go numb and you can't pull back on your levers, 
ultra what? Ultra distance? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I can see that. Brakes just slow you down. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. 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 That's yeah. what I said. You probably never used your brakes as a pro. Yeah, that's so, what Bugatti said. Like back in the back in the heyday of um, of Formula One, the guy Turmo Bugatti, I think his name was. You know, Bugatti cars. But, um, some uh, I think a reporter questioned him on why his cars are always crashing. They were always you know crashing off the course, and um, they had bad brakes. And he said, "Hey man, my cars are made to go, not stop." <laughs> so next topic. Tires is in two weeks. Tires is in two weeks. We're going to talk tire, uh, tire treads, tire compounds, tire pressures. So that's going to be the whether month you of glue October. your tires on or you just put them on like a normal person. Um, there's all kinds of different stuff. And we're really going to start focusing on cross as we get into the cross season, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think we should start that, you know, now or next time. Just it's all cross all the time. Yeah. That would bring in the butter, you know. <laughs> Beer and cowbells. Beer and cowbells. Mud and cowbells. Thanks for joining us to chat about breaks. Michael, always a pleasure. Enjoy it. Are we done? That was a really short show. No, it actually wasn't. <laughs> well, I'm watching the clock right now, and yeah. it's really short. Rambo. Well, then, go what ahead. Happened, man? I, I want to talk okay, about so a bunch more Just stuff. to jump back a second there. So, oh, okay. We have about... a new topic. New topic. No, no. It's actually the old topic. Okay. Okay. So old topic. New... I knew you were going to say that. We then. we don't need you commentating what's going on. We'll just keep the conversation rolling. Okay. 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 Please put some subtitles to this. So with the with the children and obviously the safety of the children is paramount at this point. Does it not teach them better control to not be given? How do I put this in the right way without getting in trouble? So. So what you're advocating is giving them a really shitty bike and tell them to deal with it. Teaching them great skills. So like Strider bikes, they don't have brakes, they don't even have cranks, yet it sets up the foundation for those young children to be excellent bike riders. Man, I wish I was on one of them when I was a kid. Yeah, they weren't even invented. Mine had training wheels. So is that like too much like molly coddling no i don't think so and and i am you know believe me i'm anti-molly coddling um you know th- there's a lot of other things you can be a hard ass about in cross you know like you know tra- training and handling and skills and and bike preparation and you know turning up to a race ready to go i mean there's just you know, so much equipment and crap involved um i i you know, I'm sure. Yeah, there's a there's a case for that. Like you're treating you just why don't you just take the brakes completely off the bike and tell the kids to suck it up? <laughs> don't be cruel, man. Come on, that's over well, the line. I, I think that's where you were going. But, no, not at all. But um, no, I, I think it actually gives them a level of confidence and it it helps them to improve their handling. Handling they their handling improves dramatically because um, you know one of the things I do with the kids and when I when I coach people is when I first start working with them I have them you know hold out their hands and you know grab my hands with their hands and say how I ask them how tight do you hold your bike how tight do you hang on your handlebars and typically you know most people will grab my hands and just rip my fingers off and you know tip some my fingernails will go all wider behind Do you want to ask Ben everyone's got a death grip (laughs) on their bike just to commentate because Somebody needs to commentate around here. He's <laughs> some, got no fingers, ladies and gentlemen. So they pulled off. <laughs> fingers are all gone. Um, you know, Visual, visually, this would be so much better. Oh, yeah, yeah, we should be videoing this. So one of the questions is, how how tight do you hang on to your bike? Like, how do you hold your bike? And one of the things I teach the juniors really early on 
is to is to relax your hands and relax your arms and and you know obviously you ride with your core and you ride with your body. You don't you don't ride your I, bike. I with don't your think hands. it's so obvious. I think it's something that people need to realize. Well, you, you need to show that. So I think for the kids, so that you know, especially in the case of children or um, you know people who don't, who have smaller hands or not such strong hands, um, it's really important to to get that tension out of their upper body and shoulders. Um, you know, to, to have like more predictable and confident braking that doesn't take so much strength. Now there, you'll notice with his hands, he was using two fingers rather than um, the whole yeah. hand. So I coach with two, but I ride with one. We would save about 10 minutes on this radio show if we actually had visual oh, stuff as well. We have to explain it. We have to commentate what's happening all the time. George is wearing a hat. Robo's got some glasses on his head, and I'm sitting here with no, my arms reading glasses. Reading glasses. Yeah. Right. yeah, we really should do video. Yeah. It could be interactive. Okay, next time. <laughs> Off topic. Off topic. <laughs> Focus. That's why I wanted to wrap it up in 22 minutes rather than going on for another <laughs> score that wasn't really necessary. Yeah, but that was the best four minutes of the whole show. <laughs> I don't know why we bother starting. You should just start recording after about 15 minutes. It's warming up. Oh, so now I'm supposed to do a conclusion? Yeah, yeah. You're supposed to summarize. This is a, this is the um, what's the what's the inside the actor studio guy? You're that guy, right? Yeah, I love that guy. Yeah, but Just I'm go. supposed to ask you then. What's your favorite swear word? My favorite swear oh, word. Oh, yeah, no, so we're not oh, going to do that. Ever this ask show. an Australian that? That's <laughs> terrible. I know we are butter.com, correct? <laughs> Shit, yeah. <laughs> Michael Robson, Ben Day, talking about breaks, and I'm going to put the stops on this show before we go any further. Unbelievable. I'm George Thomas at Rubens Burger Bistro in Boulder, Colorado. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.